With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Screen Heroes on the Heroes Podcast Network. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Screen Heroes, the film podcast on the Heroes Podcast Network. I am your host, Derek, and I have my two lovely co-hosts with me for episode 212, Ryan and Ray. What's up, dudes? What's up? Uh, This week, we are celebrating the 30th anniversary of the 1990 live-action Dick Tracy movie which has won three Academy Awards, mind you. I think that's important to note because I think it's really funny. Mm. Before we do that, we're going to talk some news and a couple other current events. So to kind of kick things off, this week is kind of a little anniversary for us. Yeah, it is. We have been friends and podcasting for six years now. As of July 24th. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, we will be doing this for six years, guys. We started a different show that focused on cosplay because Mm -hmm. to some capacity, we're all cosplayers. And our first episode is shit. (laughs) I'm sure it's real bad. I don't even listen to it. I remember I literally got up and left in the middle of it because I had to pee that badly. And I didn't even suggest that we stop or pause. I just snuck out of there. Oh, also, but it's Rachel only like a brought, half hour. Rachel brought suckers for everybody, <laughs> uh, which was a very kind thing. But then people just started like suckling on them in the middle of the. Not people. Podcast. We had one person do it. Yeah, and none of us. We were all professional. We're not his friend anymore. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm still. I still talk. To no, him no. Bit, but... Oh, I was just joking. Like we're totally his friend. I I dig that dude. But... Yeah, but he uh, he was definitely <laughs> suckling on a lollipop yeah. the whole time. Uh, <laughs> A There's a down. reason why he's not our host anymore. True. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, this has probably impacted your guys' lives the most of all of the three of us. I mean, I have obviously gained some really great friends out of it, mm-hmm. but you guys yes, have gained have. life partners. Oh God! A spawn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like yeah. a yeah. like a statue or no? Like like, like... Uh, in Rachel's womb. I think that's oh. how the anatomy works. I'm not 100 percent yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah, so because I met Derek, of course, uh, through the cosplay podcasting, Derek and I are, you know, married now and we have a child on the way. We've, you know, traveled the country for conventions and did a ton of cosplay together and we started the Heroes Podcast Network together. So 
lot of cool stuff. Yeah, um, big history. What do you guys think you would be doing if the three of us hadn't met? Like, if six years from now only know us. Like, what would I be doing on a Tuesday night? Or, like, with your life, oh, you know? And no. that's just, you'd probably be watching <laughs> Star Trek. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I'd probably still be doing a lot of the same things. Star Trek, gaming. I probably oh, would have a no similar job. Uh, <laughs> like, he said that earlier in the chat. He was like, my life would be the same. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, not what I said. That is not, said. That's not what I said. <laughs> but, you know, things are obviously different. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm married and I've got a kid on the way very soon, which is really exciting. And uh, I've done, you know, 300 something episodes of podcasts more than that at this point um, because well, this all started. Have helped you out in uh your your regular job too because the better you got at podcasting and editing the better you got at you know your instructional training sure yeah i don't know that people on on the podcast really know what i do but yeah um that's true i, I mean you record and edit audio i do for I do. instructional videos so that's true. so who wouldn't want to do it also in their free time what they right. do for 40 hours or more a week <laughs> you just know he truly loves it that's true. Or, I do. or I do. he is obsessed with the sound of his own voice. One or the no, other. That took a lot of getting used to. Because when we started the show, shows you like how lax I've gotten over the years with the, yeah. the podcasting. When we started doing this, I and I took over editing, I would edit out breaths that people would take. Uh-huh as we were talking and it would take like, so, you know, if an episode was an hour, it would take me like three and a half hours to edit the episode. Cause I would take out all of the breaths and the pauses and everything, which now, no other podcast. Nobody does. does that. Nobody no. does that. No. And I'm proud to say that I do significantly less editing now and we are just, just fine. So, and probably way better really in terms of the skill level. Well, since we've moved to online, our, our audio quality has definitely gone down a pretty good step. <laughs> uh, you know, we have, instead of us just being in, in one environment that I have to control, we have three different environments plus internet and different computer setups and all of that. And so... Um, and it our, doesn't help that Ryan and I are constantly typing on our mechanical keyboards. No, it doesn't help. It does not. I um, asked you the very first week we did this if that was, if you guys could even hear it. And you were like, nah, we can barely hear that. Yeah, at that point in time. But now, I mean, I've heard it since then. Fine. I'll just not chat with people and that's fine. I can't hear it while we record, but Derek says he can hear it while editing. And granted, he has it like pumped into both headphones and it's really loud. So maybe maybe he's just picking on us or maybe he's, you know, being honest. Who knows? It's possible. Yeah, it could go either way with this guy. <laughs> but either way, it's been a true pleasure. <laughs> knowing you guys and doing you know however many hundreds of episodes we've done together so it also means i've driven to your house to and from your house 200 plus times probably give or or take. To it. well yep, we didn't yep, really yep. record the old show from that's true. The maybe house. more like 150 times yeah i think i think that's closer 175 yeah call it call it good no big deal um <laughs> at 15 15 minutes there 15 minutes back every time so you do the math on uh, how much time i've spent uh driving to and from your guys house but i wouldn't trade it for anything i do the biggest thing i miss now doing this online is seeing your guys dog every week <laughs> yeah it's a double-edged sword for luna because she doesn't get to see you but she also doesn't get put in the bedroom while we record mm -hmm. yeah 
you know so i don't know I, i'm not sure he which has one. a hard time deciding which which way to go mm-hmm. exactly i understand but yeah i mean six years we've been doing this we did almost 40 episodes of the original show and then yeah we're on episode 212 here with screen heroes yeah it's a lot of episodes it is yeah but there you have it um so that's that's kind of a little bit about us happy anniversary to you guys i love you guys to you dare bear here's to six more (laughs) yes that's right you gotta listen to us for hundreds of more hours in six years we'll finally get to review tenant (laughs) maybe or new mutants (laughs) <laughs> right like will that be our last episode we'll just do a double review of those two and call it good and... <laughs> well, we can retire <laughs> that's fantastic is there a 401k plan on this by the way uh well remember. no we, plan? we, oh, we okay. don't do any type of matching here at the hpn no um, we broke <laughs> ma- mainly because we we actually are in the red so um but so speaking of tenant and, and movies uh tenant has been delayed now indefinitely there's no date now for its return to theaters which is not surprising um major theater chains like amc and cinemark have decided to now delay their reopening plans for the end of july uh, the original plan was for them to reopen with uh inception and then go into tenant and all that kind of good stuff but that's not happening Captain Falcon and the Winter Soldier has reportedly been delayed now until spring of 2021 because of not being able to shoot. Mm -hmm. However, WandaVision is still slated for a 2020 release. I'm assuming that means they they finished their shooting before all of this and it's just post work that they've been having to do remotely. Well, yeah, we saw like we talked about uh, how they had wrapped because they did that really cute photo of the entire crew rapping and i i was like well now it's just post but the problem like ryan said in our chat a while ago that you know some of these shows lead into each other so if they were planning on having any connection between cap winter soldier and wandavision you know that they got to get rid of that if wandavision's going to appear first it seems likely that that uh, Winter Soldier and Falcon doesn't have much bearing on any of the movies coming out anytime soon. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a little different. Whereas one division they've specifically said is essentially a lead-in for Doctor Strange too. So right. Um, I, they can delay that one, that that one probably freely. I doubt it has much impact in the universe as a whole, being as they're basically two street-level characters. Right. right you know versus wandavision which wanda is a reality warper so a little bit more possibility there yeah and uh i mean that's the main the main news from the week it was actually a fairly quiet week as as far as news is concerned we did get some bits and pieces from snyder cut information zach said that the snyder cut's actually looking like it's going to be longer than originally thought it was originally expected to be 214 minutes it's now looking like that'll that will be broken fairly easily. Again, nothing like super hardcore solidified there, but we are supposed to see a, a new look at his cut here relatively soon. Yeah, they said something about some con coming up that That's the Warner Brothers con. Yeah. No, this was a con that was run by the fans. He said something about it in an interview. I yeah, can't it's remember. called it's called fandom, isn't it? 
No, this was before fandom. It was like something that's happening like this weekend or next weekend. I can't remember what it was called, but he said he was probably, or he hinted that he was going to be showing something new there. So I, I don't know if it's going to be a trailer or what, but he definitely hinted or made it seem like it was going to be a trailer coming out before fandom or whatever that thing is mm. called. Okay. But we'll definitely be getting more information very, very soon. Fair enough. Fair enough. I guess the only other bit of news is we're actually, and this was kind of a surprise to me, we're getting an Evil Dead documentary uh, called Hail to the Deadites, but it is going to focus on the fandom of Evil Dead rather than like behind the scenes stories and things, production nature, uh, which is kind of interesting. So that actually will be premiering really soon in August at a film convention. And so we will get a look at that here coming soon. I'm curious to see what, the plans are the reports are saying that there isn't really any footage from the movies or anything like that. So it's really going to focus on the fans, uh, but there will be a lot of actors involved. Bruce Campbell's involved, for example. So you can at least hear from him a little bit, but yeah, I mean, I love evil dead. So I'll, t- I'll take a look at that. Is it premiering on a streaming service or is it, I, th- I saw something about a film festival in there. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's premiering at a film festival. I, there's no other information about release though. So you might not get the chance to see it unless you go to the film festival. Uh, I would be pretty surprised if it's not released somewhere, but you know, we, we don't know where yet or when. Right. So, so uh, I really enjoy fan documentaries because the fandoms are like, they make exactly what we do. I don't know, like they just make the actual content so much better. Uh, I saw, I've got a couple recommendations. There's a really good documentary out there about the Firefly community, the brown coats, as well as the bronies. Um, look those up. They're, they're really Ghostbusters great. one or two also. Oh, they're really? They're supposed to be good, yeah. I haven't seen those. I'll need to watch them. I know there's like, just... the one that just came out called Cleaning Up the Town that was made by fans. It was a Kickstarter or Indiegogo or something, but they brought uh-huh. in a ton of the original actors. They even had interviews with Harold Ramis before he passed. They've It's been in production for a while. Um, so it's actually, I think it's streaming on Crackle, at least most mm-hmm. of it, but then they have a DVD you can buy on Blu-ray also. But sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, you're good. I love that stuff. Those are... Uh, the two that I've seen that were really good. So it's- with Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If there's any more, I would love to, you know, see more. I'm into it. There are two Star Trek ones, Trekkies and Trekkies 2, that that are out there that do the same thing. They're, the first one was made back in the, the mid-90s. Like Galaxy Quest was, the uh, Galaxy Quest one was kind of... Mm-hmm like that too wasn't it oh yeah to an extent they, they had some... a, they had a lot of fan stuff in there they did they did they also talked production stuff it was a nice hybrid of the two i think right yeah but that was more recent right that was just last year that's true 
I would be really interested in a documentary produced by Sam Raimi or Bruce Campbell and talking about the evolution between the first movie and then now the uh, recent TV show. But a fan one is really cool too because then you just get to hear about all the love they have and how Evil Dead has changed their life. and that That's a lot of fun. Agreed. Absolutely. So you're you're saying that we're pretty much out of news because it's been slow yeah is that okay then we should take like 10 15 minutes to talk about how cool doom patrol is right now since we don't really (laughs) review a lot of tv shows lately but this is like the one show all three of us are watching and we're all caught up you know just maybe like no spoilers because we don't warn people but you know you know okay Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Doom Patrol is bonkers AF. That's that's my non-spoiler opinion. But I mean, to be fair, that was your opinion in season one too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's I mean, even it literally more, hasn't changed. It's even more bonkers. Uh, I mean, Doom Patrol is it's crazy, it's outlandish, and it's fun as hell. So I'm, I'm enjoying it. I mean, I, we all enjoyed season one, I think. In, absolutely. Uh, in season two, uh, you don't get some of the elements, mainly the narration from a specific character that you got in season one. And I, I do miss that. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that that was kind of a meta, like commentary on everything. And, and, it, and I, that was really appreciated in season one. And I definitely miss that. But as far as the content and the character dr- characters and the drama of the show, it's all really, really, really great. It's one of my favorite shows. Oh, absolutely. This year, I'm really happy with the amount of story they're giving to each individual character. And uh, it there's a huge focus on finding your family, whoever that may be. Now, like, your family might not be your blood. Exactly. And I really like that because each character this season seems to be going through this huge arc to find happiness with who they are instead of trying to find ways to be other people or hide away. So this is like the season's very interesting and I feel like every episode they step their shit up. They make it more intense. It was more team focused in season one, I think, mm-hmm. but uh, season two has definitely ma- become more of a character study, uh, like on each of the individual characters and how they're coping with the revelations from season one. And um, yeah, it's, it, there's some team ups that I'm not, you know, the biggest fan of specific characters and their storylines together. I prefer some of them mixed up in different ways than what well, we're like, getting. I mean, going off of the main, uh, five people in the Doom Patrol plus uh, Timothy Dalton's character, Niles Calder. Who would that be? Like, which team-ups are your favorites versus not-so-favorite? Well, like, right now, um, well, in season one, we got a lot more of uh, uh, Jane and Cliff together. And that one, for me, was one of my favorite uh, team-ups. Whereas this year, they've kind of put Cyborg and Cliff together. Mm-hmm. And... Um, that's it's fine i mean that but that looks too that's too obvious right that i liked the uh, kind of different characteristics you got a due to the human brain in a full robot body with a woman that has had to cope with the world by developing 
multiple personalities and um you know it gets superpowers from each for different personalities mm-hmm. um, those are two very different characters where it's like cyborg and robot man are like i mean there's a lot of crossover there in right. terms of um you know just looking at what they are but i don't know i rita and uh larry is a really great i've liked them since, i mean even in season one they've got a lot of development that was great so um I, yeah. they've been sticking with that and i love those two together the fact that the two are like best friends is really sweet because well, it's, it's really nice to see sorry yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say it's really nice to see uh, a man and a woman be just really great friends mm-hmm. and not like no romantic tension or like nothing needs to be implied there. They're romantic. It's just really great friends. And I think that's not something that you see in media very often anymore. I completely agree. I feel like most male female relationships end up being either antagonistic or not well developed or immediately they jump to sexual tension it's never just a good friendship you've been awful quiet Derek I was just letting you guys talk um yeah I I pretty much agree with you guys um I'm not a huge fan of the storylines they've given Cyborg I I'm just not that engaged in it it's especially in it's season probably the two. least interesting one yeah he's just yeah. he's so separated from the rest of the group right now that I'm just not I'm not invested in that story. I want to know what's going on back at the house and, and all that type of stuff. Um, but, you know, without without giving anything away, I just, the things that they're doing this season, I think are a little bit more outlandish in general from episode to episode. I think they're taking some, some new chances and making things a little bit more serious. Uh, whereas, you know, the first season was very much a focus on the ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know, but it wasn't as heavy. The season's got some heavier stuff going on, which I think is good. I think it creates more interesting moments and it balances out the outlandish stuff a little bit better. How do you guys feel about the addition of Dorothy? Because we've had issues with child actors in the past. No, she's good. She is she is really good. Um, if I have any real complaints about the show at all, it's just that every character just doesn't age, right? And for one reason or for another, one reason yeah. or another yeah they all have their own reasons for it right it's all in universe yada yada um but you know at, at some point i feel like so I, I uh I, there that needs to change i, I mean think. niles is aging now well see that i didn't want to dive too deeply into that but yeah but in, but the one character who is aging becomes the cornerstone story of the season right that's fair yeah <laughs> you know um and don't get me wrong, it's an interesting story, and I'm very curious to see what happens because I I love the character and and everything. But um, yeah, I mean, like the most recent episode this week shows the introduction of three new characters who haven't aged a day in decades again, right? Mm-hmm. And they have a completely different reason for why, and it's totally in universe. So it's not like it doesn't make sense. It's just that it's yet another group of characters that never age. To answer your question. Rachel, I, I uh, definitely like Dorothy. I yeah. think that she's a very interesting addition to the cast. Um, her power set is very unique. I do think that she gets to be like a little whiny and that gets a little irritating and I get it that it's a kid thing and a lot of her struggles, you know, that's the only way they can really come up with to uh, express right. her without like world ending consequences but she's 
as an actress, she's great, and the prosthetics look great. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see where she goes. I hope that they dial back on like her crying all the time. But right, yeah, she's great. I agree. I think her storyline is really fascinating, and the more that I learn about her, the more I want her to continue. But you're definitely right. Like the, I don't think she should ever be the main focus of an episode because there's too much reliance on her going from happy to sad and when she's sad she like cry whines and it's it is a little jarring a little annoying so um I gotta say I am enjoying Cyborg's story this season a lot more than last season because it just felt like he was the buzzkill of the whole group and not like the straight man not the one who does everything right the buzzkill like he just brought everything down i'm like why are you doing that you you know went through a portal to a different parallel universe through a donkey and you're you know not enjoying things just enjoy things a bit to be fair i mean he's like supposed to be the justice leaguer in the group the one that's like the straight straight edge you know whatever um, but yeah, I mean, I tend to agree. Um, I don't know. Even, even this he's season, a little though, more boring. he's, he's not even like enjoying things. He's still a big whatever. He's season. having sex with a beautiful woman and he seems to be enjoying that. Yeah. He's enjoying then, the he's sex. He's constantly but, trying to fix her. Like it's yeah. this, I don't know. And, and meanwhile, by the way, I mean, this is like encroaching on, on some spoiler territory, but one of those times that he's busy having sex, he just leaves cliff stuck in the car by himself overnight (laughs) and doesn't bother to care what happens to his friend. So I'm not like super into the way they're writing his character. Right. In all fairness, Cliff just took off. Right. But he doesn't know that cyborg doesn't know that, but he also doesn't care, but he, that's, that's the key. That's the part (laughs) that bothers me. He doesn't care. I do think that cliff cliff is at his best when he's like, uh, has a young woman, like daughter figure to look after like seeing him with Dorothy was some of the some of the best parts of the season so far for me and then last season with him was Jane and he still has that some with Jane in this season as well um but you know there's some stuff that happens with people yeah. <laughs> I'm trying really try to stay away from spoilers I see this. that but the people that uh he may or may not be related to this season and it doesn't go as well so it's nice to have him be successful as kind of a parental a parental figure because he wants that he really does and i think um that he's does just wonderfully as that you know he gives really gives it the best he can and you get more emotion out of the character that way it really gives him more depth than like going out with cyborg mm-hmm. and doing the stuff that they're doing I agree. He's not a buddy figure, in my opinion. He is definitely a more, like, redeeming father figure. Like, he's not quite there yet, but he's working on it. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of of Doom Patrol, though, Doom Patrol now is on both HBO Max and DC Universe. DC Universe has officially dropped its yearly membership. So the only way to sign up now is month to month, which is likely another sign that it is slowly going out the door and will be absorbed by HBO Max in the near future. Right. I'm going to say no later than the end of March 
in 2021 at the absolute latest. I actually expect it might be gone by the end of this year. Seems likely. Uh, I remember a few weeks ago when I said that I noticed in the Doom Patrol title sequence that it said a max production. Well, apparently, if you watch it on DC Universe, it says a DC Universe production, which is <laughs> really weird to me, and I do not understand it at all. Well, they're both Warner Brothers, so they're both right. right. So why, what does it matter, right? Like, why do you need to come up with two different title sequences for this show? It seems like you're just adding extra work to somebody for no reason. The whole thing is stupid. I agree with you that it seems very unnecessary, but I also get that there's somebody at DC universe who's trying to save their job and other people's jobs and keep that thing chugging along, you know? Yeah, I guess. All right. Well, I think it's time for us to take a break. So should we, we can... go to our sponsors and do we have sponsors? I don't know. Um, it's a joke. We, we are going to take a short break. And when we come back, we will be talking about Dick Tracy on its 30th anniversary. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. And we are back to talk about Dick Tracy. Dick Tracy is the 1990 live action film that is based on the Chester Gould comics that started back in 1931. Uh, The film, I mean, shockingly has a ton of people involved and we will get to that it had an estimated budget of 47 million dollars but raked in uh, about 162.7 in the worldwide box office so certainly not a failure by any means Um, in its opening weekend it was up against some pretty big hitters another 48 hours total recall gremlins 2 and uh, back to the future part 3 were all in theaters at the same time um so it did have some competition but it won its opening weekend box office exciting stuff there the uh film like i said has a pretty impressive cast of people um Mm -hmm. starring and directed by warren Beatty, uh madonna al pacino dustin hoffman mandy patinkin james khan uh uh, kathy bates um catherine o'hara I mean, it just kind of continues down the list uh, of the number of people that that were in this film. Al Pacino was actually nominated for Best Supporting Actor for his performance in uh, in this as as Big Boy. He did not win. Right. He he did not he did not win. But the movie did win three Academy Awards: Best Art Direction, Set Direction, Best Makeup, and Best Music Original Song for the song titled sooner or later Mm -hmm. um 
So there you go. So it, it is an award-winning film um, for, for what that's worth. Not received particularly well on things like IMDb, just a 6.1 out of 10. Rated PG, which I found kind of surprising, I guess because there's not really any blood shown in all of the gun battles, but I could have sworn there was just a little bit of nudity. Um, that would have pushed, was. pushed there, it yeah. to PG-13. Why, why do you think this didn't get a PG-13 rating? Why did Ghostbusters not get a PG-13 rating? I mean, there's a lot of movies that came out in this time period that uh, PG-13 was still new, I think, at this point. Well, I can answer that. Oh, please. Okay, so the MPAA rating is a group of, like, anywhere from five to ten individuals who uh, stay completely anonymous and have zero criteria for what their films allow um their criteria changes up every time they get a new member and it usually is very subjective on how they personally feel they will give directors and studios notes like hey this is nc-17 you need to do this to knock it down to uh an r or r to pg-13 so uh there there are zero rules and uh shout out to adam ruins everything because that's where i learned that gotcha so most likely between a pg-13 movie and a pg movie that year they got a different member who either had more rigid or lax personal values um because yeah the the pg-13 rating wasn't particularly new i mean in the grand scheme of film i suppose it was but it came out in the early 80s thanks to raiders of the lost ark yeah um so it had nine-ish years under its belt by this particular point so i think i think it's a fair question i think it's a little interesting maybe the cartoony nature of it made people feel like it was kid-friendly enough right you know um all right well let's just dive in for your spoiler warnings for the 30 year old dick tracy movie where would you guys like to start well, like there's so much fun stuff going on in this film. Um, first of all, I have to say that I had only seen it once before and I was a child and I was not expecting the film to actually hold up as well as it did. I really thought that I was going to go back and cringe at a lot more stuff but because i'm an adult with you know new perspective on life there there were different moments that i cringed at (laughs) i wasn't expecting that so that's where i'm at you know it was more fun than i expected it to be but still still some cringy moments fair enough ryan what about you what's your overall feeling of the film um i mean not good really i didn't really enjoy it (laughs) very much at all um other than things that probably i mean i like the makeup and prosthetics and you know the stylized stuff was cool for a little while and then it just got a little old but uh i don't know the the fast talking like you know noir detective vibe that's not really noir because it's got so much color, but um, (laughs) that was never really my thing. I think when we talked Sin City, I had the same issue. Um, It was just, it's just not something that, that I can 
get into for some reason and i really struggled with that with this film too um so it is funny because i do have somewhere floating around there's a picture of me i did dress up as dick tracy for halloween when i was like six or seven it had to be like 91 or 92 um and i don't i remembered so little about this movie I'm not convinced I've ever actually seen the whole thing. (laughs) All I I remember was the dude with no face. That was literally the only character I remembered from this whole movie other than Dick Tracy himself, which I didn't remember anything about him except that he wore a bunch of yellow stuff. And had the cool watch. Yeah, yeah, if you had asked me, but I didn't remember even what it looked like in the movie. So, yeah. Gotcha. So for for me, um, I, I, I like... The, I like anything that kind of is a playoff of noir, right? That isn't like serious noir. It's why I like uh, all the Dixon Hill stuff and Star Trek that Picard does. And that's why I, I really like this movie a lot. I was really worried that it was not going to be good rewatching it as an adult because I watched it a ton when I was a kid. Um, and I was pleasantly surprised that it, it pretty well held up for what I was hoping it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um. Funny enough, I have a, I have a couple. So I never dressed up as as Dick Tracy, but I do have two action figures from this movie. I have Dick Tracy, right? But I also have um, kind of an interesting one that has a story behind it. Steve the Tramp. He is the homeless man who Dick Tracy intervenes with who's beating up on the kid. The action figure for this character was actually pulled from shelves here um, because several uh, groups thought that it was... The character was portraying an offensive light towards uh, homeless people and and things of that nature. So the toy was actually pulled. Um, Somehow, I guess I got it fairly early on. So there you go. I have that character. Um, Funny enough, I always thought it was for a different character (laughs) for what it's worth. But um, yeah, so there you go. That's just kind of interesting. So let's talk about some of the the aesthetics because I think that that's something that makes the movie stand out either good or bad is that it clearly looks unique from other films. Um, Ray and I were talking last night and we both kind of felt like it's kind of like Sin City in color in, in a way. That was definitely something I brought up to my girlfriend who I watched this with as well. Um, that this, it seemed like this movie definitely inspired movies like uh, um, Sin City and, you know, even like 300 and, um some of those other movies where they were the this this seemed a lot like a Zack Snyder movie in 1990 to me where he was the director was like trying to get uh panels from the comic book in the movie and sometimes that was overly distracting um you sometimes it is in Zack Snyder movies also but um there were specific shots where it was like there's no light coming from that direction and this camera doesn't make any sense being here but i guess they got that like two seconds of something that looks like a comic book so good on you um <laughs> but yeah i definitely feel like there's a lot of movies that took inspiration from this movie and did it probably did it better but this movie came out way before them so i there, it gets a little bit of a pass there yeah um so some fun like circular stuff that kind of shows how art influences art um Bob Kane actually said that Batman was heavily influenced by the Dick Tracy comics. And then at the same time, this film is heavily influenced by the 1989 Batman movie. Yes. Um, there's definitely mm-hmm. some, t- I w- if you had told me Tim Burton was directing this, I mean, 
I would have figured it out that it wasn't him, but I would have bought it <laughs> for, for part of the movie at least. Well, Dick Tracy was uh, Dick Tracy, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> Tim Burton was on the short list to direct this, uh, but he was busy doing Edward Scissorhand. And so he made he, the right decision. He passed. Um, but Danny Elfman was signed on to do the music because Warren really liked his work on Batman specifically. Um, and there are clearly some shots, especially later on in the film. There's, there's a, a scene where uh, Dick Tracy had jumps down through a window into, into a room where Tress is being held hostage. And it just clearly looks like that was supposed to be Batman jumping down through a skylight. You know what I'm yeah. talking about? For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. The one right before they did the like seesaw thing. <laughs> the seesaw thing. Exactly. <laughs> Ray, what about you? Any thoughts on the visuals? Okay, so the colors are incredibly dynamic and they're a lot of fun to look at. I uh, I really liked the painted backgrounds too. I didn't think I was going to because now painted backgrounds look so obvious and cheap to me. But I think this was just really well done. It gave some comic bookiness to it a little bit more like if you're looking at a sound stage and then in the background is just a bunch of painted hilltops and houses and stuff well you know the pages of a comic that's exactly it so i i thought that was cool the cars are fantastic oh, breathless yeah. mahoney's car is insanely cool and i know both of you guys are huge car buffs and I know that you know I don't really care. <laughs> but if I'm talking about cars, I'm truly like... Well, now uh, I'm going to think about all the nice things you said about my car when I got it and question whether you meant any of them. Oh, my God. Oh, it's too late now. You can't take it back. Derek, no, the cars were cool. I did comment on the cars. Uh, they're not my particular cup of tea in terms of like what I would own, but they're definitely sure. really cool cars. And hers was definitely the coolest of all of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and at least in this movie, they weren't like, get this hunk of junk over here. Like they were in Sin City, you know, like every car was right. a perfect, you know, hot rod, but they're like, no, this pile of shit over here. Let's take that one. You know? right. um, and in this movie, you know, they didn't really comment on the cars at all, but the cars were characters in their own right. At least her car was. So um, yeah, I definitely thought that was cool too. Uh, it, as far as the colors, it got a little old for me, if I'm being oh, yeah. honest, like halfway through, uh, you know, it's just a lot of yellows and reds and blues and like just there's no gradients anywhere, really. It's all just solid colors everywhere. And I and I realize that it's a comic book and I can appreciate that that's what they were basing it off of. But in terms of uh, like a movie, it didn't it stopped working for me and just got a little annoying part of the way through. Yeah. Uh, Ray, to your point about the backgrounds, this actually was one of the last films to use painted backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Pretty much after this point, everybody had moved to CGI and Warren had some concerns about how it might look. So a lot of the shot, like most of the film has very set shots. They're very stable. There's not a lot of panning or moving around of the cameras because he was concerned that in 1990, those backgrounds would not hold up anymore. Yeah. Um, and then, Ryan, to your point about the colors, yeah, I mean, it's it was very, very on purpose, right? So the, the six colors that the original comic book was printed in were red, blue, yellow, green, orange, purple. And those are the primary colors used in the film. And that's kind of another reason why I, I liken it to Sin City, right? The idea was to just make it look like the comic cells, for better or worse. Um, and 
but at least in Sin City, it was mostly black and white. And yes. so, you know, that's a little bit more redeemable because that was a film style for a long time. Or that was like their only option for a long time. And it's been kind of an artistic choice since then. This one was not something that's really been done before or since. And I think there's probably a good reason for that. And I think it's fair. Um, I think I like it a lot because it stands out because nobody else ever really did it. It makes it seem really unique. I'm sure if it caught on and there were a dozen different movies that, that looked like that, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be something that I would like really enjoy and look forward to seeing. Um, but then of course there's all the prosthetic work because most of the characters, especially the bad guys have prosthetics all over their faces and such uh, which makes some of these actors completely unrecognizable, like Dustin mm-hmm. Hoffman as Mumbles, for example. Oh, I he's ne- recognizable. Really? I had yeah. no idea yeah. that was Dennis Dennis Hoffman. I, yeah, I, I, I was having more Dustin trouble Hoffman. with everybody else. Than really? Him. He was the easiest one to recognize for me. Yeah. yeah. I did not recognize him at all. Weird. Yeah. Um, what did you guys think of the prosthetics? Some are obviously weirder than others. So it's a hugely bold choice to copy the look of all the bad guys in the the comic because they are they look almost identical to this and some of the ways they pulled it off like little face uh was pretty impressive to be completely honest the small issue uh, the only issue i had was that warren Beatty crammed so many villains into this just in case there wasn't a sequel and there wasn't that uh you didn't get to know a lot and then you find out that some of these like famous actors appeared in these very small almost you know no line roles that you're missing out on their talent i i know there's like 16 17 villains in this something like that i would have probably cut that in half but that's just me Otherwise, the makeup of the prosthetic works really great. It's too bad that Warren Beatty didn't slap on the hook nose like uh, Dick has in the comics because everybody else is pretty much comic accurate. He was just too pretty. I mean, that was like the reasoning was that basically they decided they didn't want to hide his face because it was so recognizable back then. Um, I mean, whatever. But um, to be fair, Al Pacino completely changed what Big Boy looks like. Um, which in, in, in the comics, he's a very, very large person. Right. And in this case, he's just got large features, right? Big chin, big nose, big hands with like the slick down hair. And the, the concept for that actually came from Al Pacino himself, which is kind of cool. I mean, he's played some of the most significant gangster style roles, mafia style roles in film history. And he still took this really seriously, which personally I appreciate. Yeah, but it kind of went against what everybody else was doing because i felt like everybody else knew that they were like a caricature of what the character would normally be like everybody in this movie was so was every character is probably in dick tracy in general based on the comics Mm -hmm. is just like an extreme caricature of what the character would be in a normal noir movie Mm -hmm. um and i don't they seem to like grasp that whereas he went super serious into the character that it i don't know it contrasted a little bit to me like he definitely bought in but like i'm not sure it was in the same way that everybody else did but i mean kudos because like there was never a moment where i was like damn this dude like phone this in 
he was he was in it to win it. He he thought this was going to be an Oscar winning performance. Almost. Yeah, it got him really close to it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. The movie itself, uh, taken aside, he he really did put a lot into the performance. Um, so the prosthetics work looked great. Um, it, it, my problem again is probably more with the Dick Tracy you know comics just in general is that every bad guy has to look like an extreme bad guy it's that same thing where you know a bad guy just can't be a bad guy you have to have so much shit on their face to show that they're a bad guy in the movie you don't get any development for them so it's like this is the only way you can know they're a bad guy which is a lazy lazy way to do it in my opinion i know it's accurate to the comics but um, you know, if the, if the only way you can show somebody's a bad guy is to give them some crazy looking prosthetics, then you probably don't need that character in the movie. And they did leave the crazy prosthetics off the women. If I remember correctly, both Breathless and Texi had exaggerated features too. So again, it's the don't cover the pretty people. But also it's because it's supposed to be a surprise in the end that she was the whole mastermind behind this thing. And if she had had an ugly face, you would have known right away that she's a bad guy because that's how this film distinguished that. So, I mean... That's an interesting point. Yeah, it's a a difficult line to walk, right? Because they, they were really trying to copy the comics. Like... Something that a lot of movies today get blamed for is ignoring the comics. This was maybe going too far in the other direction and yeah. trying to like literally copy them. Um, but then at the same time, right. I mean, you're going to put Madonna in your movie. Are you going to cover her face in prosthetics? Probably not. Right. Um, so it's a difficult, cause they still had to sell it. Right. People mm-hmm. still want to come and see it. And so that's a difficult line to walk, which is kind of interesting. I, I do know that the movie, the original cut of the film was a good chunk longer. Um, so this comes in at 105 minutes. There is a cut that's 135 minutes. So a whole half an hour longer that Warren put together, but the studio required that they cut it down. Um, maybe the, that other half an hour has more character development for some of the villains. Um, I don't know. I think there are clearly far too many characters in this. Um, I don't know. Like, yeah, Warren said that he put as many in as possible in case it didn't get a sequel. I don't know that that makes sense to me, though, because first off, it doesn't really do anything to have all of these characters in there for people. Yeah, it who... didn't add anything to the movie. No. Right? Like, even having just half a dozen, I think, would have been enough to have some cool references and some cool throwbacks to the comic. But then if the movie does well, and let's be honest, financially, the movie did fine. If it had gotten a sequel, what do you do? Who do you have in it? You've killed off basically everybody. Pretty much. Right? And so then you're forced to either go with like very minor characters that people don't even remember or make up new ones because you've just wasted everybody. Yeah, I just think that he was probably trying to do a little more world building than what he had time for um, because this is a very stylized world that's very different from our own. So, you know, having more fleshed out characters is good for world building but because the characters weren't fleshed out at all i think that was in that like you said that may have been because of this was a studio cut not a director cut um but who knows at this point it's kind of silly to speculate when we didn't ever get it get the director's cut yeah no I, t- I totally agree with you um now i guess so one thing to talk about and and ray i'm kind of pitching this to you but the character that really stuck out to me as kind of like the worst one on the screen was probably Madonna's character. And yeah, 
Ray, do you have any thoughts on that? Because I think you mentioned that as well. I've been thinking about this because I think it's strictly the writing for it. I Warren Beatty and Madonna were dating at the time, which I believe is a huge reason she got the role. Also a huge reason why they added original songs to it because if you looked at some of the other actresses who are up for the part like Sharon Stone and Michelle Pfeiffer Michelle Pfeiffer can sing but I doubt they would have had it be like a semi-musical just for her and I think the character was written in a really sexist and objectified way and I don't remember Breathless being exactly like that in the comics. I know for a fact they could have done the femme fatale thing without making her this cheap, constantly horny, nothing else to her character. And it's it's an odd thing to me, especially... Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Especially when you know your boyfriend is directing you and making you do that. Like, ugh. Counterpoint. Yeah. I actually thought she was one of the more interesting characters in the film. Okay. Um First of all, aesthetically, she was the only one that wore anything that looked even kind of cool. Everybody else was wearing suits that were literally rectangles. Um, <laughs> she, everybody else is such an extreme version of the same kind of character they were in a noir movie or comic or uh, anything like that, that it, that it makes sense to me that, of course, her character's an always horny, like, yeah. you know, version, because they're all these exaggerated versions. So why would, why would she get away with not being the, an exaggerated version of that same character? You know what I mean? Um, she got the coolest car of anybody in the movie. Um, she she had a lot of the power almost the whole movie um, over everybody, including Dick Tracy. I mean, I thought she her and uh, Al Pacino's character were uh, the two most interesting characters in the movie. Dick Tracy was one of the least interesting characters in the movie to me. I love Big Boy. I think Pacino did a fantastic job. I love that character. I love his version of it. So I'm totally with you there. 100%. Like, me, they were my least favorite parts. I really <laughs> liked uh, the kid and Tess, especially when they were together. So uh, that's, that's they that's were good. The story Tess, Tess got the shaft kind of. Right. Like anytime you thought there was oh going to be a God. little bit of like character development, it's like, nope, let's go back to Dick Tracy doing his mm -hmm. detective thing. But she acted the hell out of what she had. And going back to what you were saying, Ray, like, so Tess's character, so th there's, there's not great stuff that, that, that is written around these, these women characters and her character, she sees Dick kiss uh, breathless, right? At, like, and he does it again later in the movie, which I don't think she sees it the second time. Um, but either way, she like basically just forgives him and agrees to marry the guy by the end of the movie, and nothing has really changed. Yeah, this is a huge problem, right? And, and I had a huge problem with this too. Dick Tracy is your main title character. He's the hero of the movie. He's saving this kid. He's saving the city. He's doing all these things, but he's a giant piece of shit, and there's no reason mm -hmm. why you should be rooting for him because 
he not only makes out with breathless once but twice Mm -hmm. she saw him do it once and she forgave him both times he never apologized he never like explained what she was doing in his apartment just never even admitted to it Mm -hmm. and she's ready to forgive him and for and marry him marry him but he's a giant piece of shit which kind of which made the movie worse for me because why, why would you even want to root for this guy who's literally a giant turd and there's not really any redeeming qualities about, and he's, he's a jerk to the guy at the diner the whole time. Yeah. All the time. There's a whole bunch of examples of this and like, okay, I don't want that to be the hero. That's not interesting to me. That just makes it seem like he's a piece of crap. And apparently, you know, that's how Warren Beatty is kind of offset. A lot of people said that they don't want to work with him, that they turned down roles in this film because they didn't like him, and that on set he was insane. The only good stories I hear about him were from Al Pacino, and that makes sense considering he got an Oscar nomination out of this. Right, yeah. Um, there's also a couple other significant issues. Uh, first off, he's a bad cop. Yeah, he's not good. Uh, he, throughout most of the film, is kind of breaking procedure and the law to get these bad guys in trouble. And we kind of look past it, especially as a, when I was watching this as a kid, because they're the bad guys. They're criminals, right? So, you know, the cops just got to bring in the bad guys. But especially in today's environment, it definitely is not a good look. Um, and while yes, the, the way he gets locked up is because he was framed. He probably needed to be off the street for one reason or another anyway. Yeah. Uh, maybe not for murder, but definitely for, you know, going in places without warrants and, uh, you know, uh, coercion and, you know, during interrogation and, and other things of that nature, um, which is also really bad. And then something that I've been thinking about as we've been talking. I've been looking through things and just kind of, you know, refreshing my memory and stuff. I don't think there is a single non-white person in the entire film. No. And it's not something that I initially noticed because I was really excited about some of the, the actors that pop up in here that were surprises over the years. But like, these are all white people. Even like when you see the 20 something, you know, gangsters all in a room together, there, I, I don't think there's any POCs in this film at all. No. A lot of that is probably due to the nature of the comic book and when it was written, right? I mean, is there probably weren't a lot of uh, black or other ethnicities in the comic book in the time it was written. So they were trying to be true to the comic book and I, they did that. And that's probably a detriment in this case. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that that's a reasonable thought. Uh, most of what these characters are based off of though, the color of their skin's kind of irrelevant. Like look at flat top. Anybody can have a weirdly shaped head like that. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be a white guy. Well, Um, there's some, I mean, there's probably some makeup reasons for that. I mean, from, from what I understand, me not being a makeup artist, but it's uh, much easier to put prosthetics on a white person to make them like the skin color and everything match. And it's much harder on uh, people of color. From what I understand, I've never uh, done well, it. So. Sure. So, so the people involved in this, particularly Doug Drexler, was involved in Star Trek for ages. Sci-fi managed to figure that out pretty quickly. Um, so personally, I don't think that that's a really good excuse, even even if uh, there's there's some validity to it. Star Trek has had 
you know, black people play Klingons and, and other characters for, for decades um, without any real concerns from that standpoint. So I, I don't know. I think that maybe they get, they, they think they get a pass because no one in the comic was probably anything other than white. But since it's not like, I don't know. I, I don't think that that's a good enough reason, at least anymore. That's fair. Um, so that's kind of a heavier note, but I, I, I just right. was kind of thinking about it as I was scrolling through things. I do want to bring up one moment in this movie that really stood out to me. Please. Negatively. And it involves someone that we love very much. Uh-oh. Eight, eight. What was this, the piano player? What was his Oh, 88 name? Keys. 88 Keys. There was one scene, I think it's when he's like getting paid or something, but he starts laughing. And for some reason, the actor chose this laugh that was so horrendous mm-hmm. and it was never established anywhere else in the movie that he laughed like this, right? Like everybody has their, you know, weird things about them that they do. Uh, but this laugh was not like a normal it was like he was laughing it but breathing in at the same time you guys remember the moment i'm talking about yeah he did the revenge of the nerds laugh and because they don't set it up any other time that's the only time he's laughing yes that was the problem super out of character eh? he started laughing i was like mm -hmm. when did they establish that he laughs like this and is there a reason why he? there's also a really bad cut around that time they zoom out you see 88 you see big boy you see flat top and the sound of the laugh is going but 88's not moving its mouth anymore yes i'm like oh oh fix that it was just not and they didn't do him any favors with like the way they did his hair and all this other stuff i mean nobody was really looking super handsome in there except for dick tracy himself but um yeah they did not do him any favors either yeah no but that part really stood out to me and i'm glad that at least rachel noticed it because i've it, it was a huge, like, glaring zit on the face of Dick Tracy. It totally took me out. If that was, like, a character choice from the very beginning. you got to establish something exactly. like that. You can't just do that, right? Like, right. I, I noticed it. I don't think it bothered me much, but I did notice You didn't it. go, like, why? I didn't really think about it. The movie has so many things in it that are ridiculous and over the top that that just didn't stand out to me. You know, that's all. So, you know, the movie's been out for 30 years. It got a Blu-ray release back in 2012. Um, no talks of a director's cut from Warren, even though at this point in time, it, you know, it's a, it would be possible at least. Um, no documentaries or anything like that about, about the film. No sequels, no reboots. What do you think the future could hold for, for Dick Tracy? Do you think there should be a reimagining of this character? Do you think it should be left in the 1930s where it started? What do you think? Yeah, I just don't think the character is that interesting nowadays. I mean, if this was true to the comics, they'd have to do like a, like a new 52 type reboot to make the character interesting again. There's just n- nothing compelling about the character to me at all. So, you know, I don't know. I would hope that they just don't do it anymore. But if they can come up with a good way to do it that's interesting and different from every other character that we've seen a million times, even though the characters were maybe made after this character was created since he's been around a long time. Like Batman, right? We, we've seen Batman. He's got gadgets. He's a detective. Except that he's way more interesting than Dick Tracy, basically, on every level. So 
I don't know. They'd have to come up with some way to make him different from everybody else that we've seen and we like more. I kind of agree with that. And I think it's it's a huge issue with noir in general. I think noir has been played out uh, to a certain degree. So unless they can come up with something fun and satirical, if they can come up with a new way to do noir like batman started as noir he's not really noir anymore and if dick tracy had been able to evolve over the times as an interesting tech heavy detective um without any superpowers or vigilante attitude it could have been more there'd be more iterations of dick tracy but i think there's a reason why it stopped here. It was a fairly good movie. It got, uh, you know, people's attention and a decent amount of famous people worked in it and look back on it as a good thing. So I don't, I don't think it really needs anything else. I, I've always wanted to see a fun spinoff comic with some of the really old superheroes and they're like in an old folks home now and they're all like poker buds. Like I've thought about that for so long and I would put Dick Tracy, Zorro, Phantom, the Spirit, all these guys in there. But it, again, that's just a different take on it. Fair enough. Um, the character hasn't completely disappeared. Dick Tracy's actually been in comics as recent as last year um, through IDW. Uh, who has has the rights to it at this particular point. I haven't read Dick Tracy comics since I was a kid, so I can't tell you how much the character has or has not changed from that standpoint. Um, I think I like the kind of the new 52 approach concept because I think there's some good stuff in here. I like the exaggerated villains. I, I like kind of the ridiculousness of that. And I like the stylization of it. I like how it's, it's noir, but it's incredibly bright. And um, it's a little off the wall from things back then let alone even today still it's still very unique from that standpoint so i think updating it with more diverse characters less um chauvinistic type writing i think there could be some cool stories here that was another thing for me so there between big boy and lips and dick tracy like there was so much chauvinistic stuff that i really just got kind of sick of it uh the scene that made me cringe the most was the all the women who were rehearsing and uh pacino kept slapping asses and touching them and i was like oh god just stop because i i think even then as an actor i i'd be like i don't care if it's your character do not touch me and i just think i'd have such a huge problem with it so i i would love it if you know men can be dicks without touching women so much (laughs) yeah i mean you said you said that the women weren't treated well in this film that's definitely true but also like the the way they presented men was not really treated that well in this film either they didn't really present anybody everybody's just a giant piece of shit other than (laughs) the kid and Tess. Um, those are basically the only two characters that are worth a shit in this entire movie. Everybody else is a giant dick. Yeah. Hey, come on. The guy at the diner seems fine. 
Yeah, he seemed all right, but he's <laughs> like he's probably gonna kill himself pretty soon because Gracie's just being a huge prick to him all the time Aww. and constantly eating. And there's literally no other restaurants in the entire world other than this one. And they kept trying to go for a Norman Rockwell painting. Did anybody? Yeah. Notice that? Yeah. Like they kept doing like the out the window with like the counter and like it's like right, we get it. We're going for this artistic Norman Rockwell look. We got it. You don't need to keep doing that. It goes back to what you were saying earlier. I'm sure that you know those are cells from the comics, right? Where it's an establishing shot. Dick Tracy's eating at the diner. Sure, but do you, you need know? like four of those? Like we got the picture. He's eating at the diner, the only diner in the entire city. Mm-hmm. Again, maybe it wouldn't have felt so repetitive if the full version of the film had been released. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. That's I, don't what, know. I mean, if they were spread out by another half an hour, maybe it wouldn't matter as much. I you don't know, know. It, I don't think like the actual eating thing was a big deal because the kid obviously hadn't had any food in a very long time. So feeding him was a necessity. But just picking on the diner owner for no fucking reason yeah. over and over again. You know, shut up. Yeah, dude. when he hasn't, he isn't even fighting back. Like, no, just it was. Yeah, it was a lot. So, some fun facts. Uh, this is Warren Beatty's highest-grossing film of his career, uh, which is kind of interesting. Uh, Madonna was only paid thirty-five thousand dollars for her role in the movie, which, considering the size of the role and the significance of it to the story, that's a pretty low paycheck. Um, Macaulay Culkin was originally slated to play the kid, but he decided to turn it down and do Home Alone instead, which was probably the correct decision for him. Um, and funny enough, Catherine O'Hara is in both of those movies. So this was also the little kid from Hook too. That was yeah, that was the little kid in this movie. Yeah, yeah he's which was son. I think the next year. Charlie Corsmo. Like 1990 and then 1991, I think, for Hook. Was it? I thought Hook was a little bit later. uh, Hook's 1994. Was it? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. It was 91. Okay. Oh, my gosh. I'll take my apology. It's okay. (laughs) Your apology. I swear it was 94, too. I don't know why I thought that. That's really interesting. Oh, you guys just think so little of me that I can't ever get a date wrong. It's okay. It's all right. I see how it is. Um, with the movie premiered an animated short called Roller Coaster Rabbit, which was a Roger Rabbit cartoon, which unfortunately is not paired with the movie on HBO Max, which I think is a huge loss, but that's fine. That's basically it. Those are just some fun facts that I had that I thought were cool. Uh, anything else you guys want to touch on before we wrap things up for the week? No. Don't worry about rewatching this movie if you didn't. It's... Unless you just really love noir, I don't think you really get much out of it. I don't. I don't agree. I think it's definitely worth a watch. I think there's clearly some problematic stuff in here, like we've discussed. But I also think mm-hmm. there's some really nice stuff in here from a visual perspective, from a um, cinematography perspective. I think there's some cool things going on. Uh, the prosthetic work is great. It won Academy Awards, and I think that that says something. So did Suicide Squad. Well. There you go. Ray, anything from you? Um, yippee <laughs> This is going well. This right. is going well. No, I'm good. All right, all right. Well, next week, we are celebrating the 25th anniversary of Batman Forever. Another situation with a very difficult actor and a bereft director. <laughs> so that'll be fun. 
Um, of course, Comic-Con at Home is coming up, which is the virtual replacement for San Diego Comic-Con. So maybe we'll have some cool stuff to talk about once that lands. Probably um, not. Probably not. <laughs> but who knows so you can join us next week watch batman forever again and you can talk about that with us uh ray if people want to reach out and talk to you about dick tracy how can they do so oh talk to me about anything else (laughs) Um, (laughs) i'm with you on that uh talk to me about my pitch to have all these old people in an old folk home because i think i could write a really fun comic uh but i'm at siren ray if you're watching live my tag is by my picture and ryan if people want to talk to you about dick tracy and nothing else how can they go and reach you <laughs> uh, i'm at the star trek dude on twitter <laughs> okay His can't make the same can't make the same joke two if weeks you're gonna in a try row. and make people talk to me about dick tracy then i'm gonna use your tech i'm sorry i was if you're gonna talk to me about dick tracy i'm gonna block you on twitter but uh <laughs> it's at buster Pro. what if they agree with you oh well then that's okay all right i'm not I'm saying that they okay with it with anybody that agrees with me but if you try and convince me that something i said was wrong i want to block you immediately <laughs> about this movie i'm i'm not wrong about this movie no matter how many times derek tries to convince me otherwise i just think there's a difference between telling people to talk to you about a movie and saying that they have to disagree with you those are not the same sentence well i'm assuming because you've been arguing with me so much that other people will too i didn't realize that we were arguing i thought we just well, had a, a difference of opinion we definitely have a difference of opinion this is why Derek and I have communication problems in our relationship. Because I look at something as a devastating fight, and he's like, "Oh, that was just that was a fight. I thought yeah, we were like- just having dinner. I don't know." <laughs> well, look, if you want to talk to me about Dick Tracy, whether you liked it or not, you can find me at the Star Trek Dude on Twitter. I would love to talk to you about it. Uh, you can also find me on Gamer Heroes, which is the video game podcast here on the Heroes Podcast Network. That's a, a cool thing for you to check out, too. We are, of course, Screen Heroes. You can find us at Screen Heroes Pod on Twitter. You can also join our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash Screen Heroes, and talk to us about movies, television, post memes. We've got tournaments where people are voting about stuff. We post news. Um, and you can also watch us live every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central in the group. We stream it live and you can chat with us during the show. A little quiet tonight. People were, were popping in, but not a lot of conversation, I guess. So Nobody maybe next week, Tracy. Batman Forever, maybe we'll spur some conversation. So come talk to us about that. If you enjoy the show and uh, you want to support us in any way, there are three main ways that you can support the show. First, you can subscribe to the show. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Podcast Addict, and more. So go ahead and subscribe to the show. You can review the show. You can review us on places like Apple Podcasts and Podcast Addict. If you review us, we will read your review live on the show. Unless it's super inappropriate but we will still reference that you left us a review. And if you want to help us in any financial way, you can throw us a couple of bucks on coffee, ko-fi.com slash heroes podcasts. That money goes towards our domains and our hosting fees, um, Zoom, so we can do our, our virtual podcast during the pandemic and beyond. 
uh, and equipment, all that kind of good stuff. It can be a one-time thing, any times as, as as many times as you want. Uh, but any anything would really help, and we would appreciate your support. So thank you to everybody who has subscribed and reviewed and dropped us money over the years. We truly appreciate it. Guys, I love that we've been doing this for six years, and I do mean I hope that we do it for six more. I do. I mean it too, as long as we don't have to review Judge Dredd in any of those years. Oh, God. Look, man, we, we get to do it in a couple of weeks for the 25th, and we can come back and do it for the 30th then if we do this for six more years. Okay. No? no? We'll talk about it. I we'll think I have plenty of accumulated sick time. Don't worry about that. So. <laughs> all right. Well, that's going to be it for us this week on Screen Heroes. Thank you all for joining us next week. Batman Forever. <laughs>